Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. If you want to learn useful, practical how-tos of weight loss, exercise science, nutrition, or just how to optimize your time in the gym and life, this show is for you. Welcome back to Project Fitness Podcast. This is now a continuation from our episode with Owen Lacey. So as we go into the second half of this one here, Owen's going to talk a little bit about sleep. He's going to talk Oh, one of the benefits of actually um, doing a podcast and recording it from your house with children who are four and six years old is currently, as I'm recording this, one of my kids is throwing snowballs at the window outside my room. So um, when you hear a little bang here and there, yep, that's it. That That's a snowball. Moving on. With Owen, he's going to talk about sleep hygiene and why it's so important for recovery when you're training and how if that is not taken when that is not being optimized your results in the gym are going to suffer dramatically and your health is going to suffer dramatically so owen has a very simple process of how he can take someone who's a nighttime person and switch their clocks around so they can actually start sleeping better and then optimizing their health on a daily basis so check it out morbidly obese, you know, visceral opposed tissue out to here, very big guy. And, and his testosterone levels was tiny. Now, he was the first guy that I, I came on board with, with nutrition and training and lifestyle that was getting TRT. But the transformation in conjunction with TRT with nutrition and exercise is mind-blowingly fast. It's so different than not doing it. And it, it, for him, he actually has hypogonadism he's got an he got, had a testicle removed and he's got shrink there's a lot of different issues going on metabolic issues going on but for him that was an intervention by his physicians to help him from a from an endocrine point of view it's very different he's taking a very low very 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 low dosage but still with that low dosage in conjunction with the, the intervention of lifestyle and so on was profound chris i mean i've never had someone get in so good shape or change a shape so fast mm-hmm. and with a very small very small um prescription so again if you are if people are out there doing it and they're recommending other people follow certain diets be transparent and tell them where they are you know it's it's not a it's not gonna you yeah yeah i think it's the same with with certain diets being beneficial versus not so beneficial and you always hear people talk about this is the best way to get from point a to point b i know you guys do a lot of blood work and you guys start from square one with people to figure out what is the best protocol for them when it comes to things like intermittent fasting vegetarianism carnivore diet keto is there any protocols that you you really like to use or ones you say we got to be careful when we do this because of a b and c Yeah, so so let, let's go back to the, the car analogy. So we're sitting in this car, me, you, Maggie, and the kids. And a lot of people focus on, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring down the calories. That should make me lose weight. That is correct. So if, if I said to you, Chris, what was your first ever car? Uh, Chevy Beretta. 
Okay, I don't know what that is, but that's okay, right? Now, if you, do you still have that car? I do not. You do not? Didn't so make it. If we were only, it didn't make it. If we were only ever given one car in our whole life, how, how well would we look after that car? I wouldn't we'd go over 100 out. miles, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'd look at, we'd, we'd make sure everything was pristine in it. The problem is when you come in, when a client comes in to see me, they say, oh, I want to try this keto diet. They aren't metabolically and, and, and physiologically efficient to go on a long journey. So when someone comes into me, I see where they currently are now, what mileage they've done on the car. I bought my wife a car recently, and well, two years ago now, and the guy came to see the car before I bought it, a friend of mine. So I'm there expecting this fella to open the hood and get underneath it. No, laptop out, USB into the dashboard, see, seeing it when it was serviced, the mileage, this, what was changed. It was unbelievable diagnostics he runs on it. So for me, I, like to, I liken it to that one. A client comes in to see me, Intermittent fasting can be very beneficial for people that are efficient at control of their blood sugar levels and that are also that aren't in an adrenally stressed, compromised position because if they are, cortisol, adrenaline, epinephrine are going to go all over the place. If this person has an inability to, 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 to control insulin, blood sugar levels, cognition, and they have to work really hard in the job, that's going to compromise it. I had one rugby guy, very, very famous rugby guy. He says, oh, I heard about this keto diet. I'm going to start it now. I'm like, you can't do that in season. You cannot change your diet in season. It just, it, it, you can't do that. Yeah. So for me, my, my biggest approach, first of all, when people come to see me is where they currently are right now. Are they sleeping first? If somebody is not sleeping correctly, it impacts every single thing that goes on in the daytime, every metabolic function. So sleep, mm -hmm. we start off number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, and I'm going to say, this could be a seesaw, depends on the client, digestion and gut health. So they're sleeping okay, digestion and good health. In conjunction with that, I only recommend a diet, only ever recommend a diet for somebody once I've seen their current diet. If you're giving someone recommendations, dietary recommendations, um, macronutrients, nutrient timing, intermittent fasting, and you don't know where they currently are, that's flawed. That, mm -hmm. I think that's ethically you know, a malpractice. You need to find out where they currently are right now. So you get, a, you get a three, if not a seven-day breakdown of what that client is currently eating, the times, their hydration, their digestion, their sleep, their bowel movements, their energy, and then we move forward. We call it the Chupi technique. And the Chupi technique was, was adapted from uh, Dr. J. Tita. And what the Chupi stands for, C stands for craving. Are, are these people craving certain food at certain times of the day? H stands for hungry. Are they hungry in the morning? Are they not hungry in the morning? Not being hungry in the morning for me is an issue. I want my clients relatively hungry or being able to eat food within one hour upon waking. E stands for energy. What's the energy like? Are they dipping up and down? Are they able to maintain blood sugar levels? And this is the thing. When clients come to see me, they want to lose fat. That's one of the biggest goals for the majority of clients. Mm -hmm. But the question is, are they efficient fat burners? And I would say no. So in that car that we're in, the Chevrolet, whatever it is, is that car a petrol car, a diesel car, or a hybrid car? I'd like it to be a hybrid. I'd like it to be able to burn petrol or sugar when we give it sugar, but then when we're not born in sugar, we're born in fat again. And that's what we call metabolic flexibility, as you know. So for me, if I'm going to do an intermittent fasting diet or a ketogenic diet, maybe I'm going to give a few weeks, maybe a month, maybe six weeks of due diligence and building that car, doing a bit of an MOT, a bit of a service. And when we do that, that's when I'll go down the calorie deficient diet. That's when I'll go down the intermittent fasting. That's when I'll maybe focus on being keto adapted. 
But jumping straight into that, imagine us getting into that car and off we go, not checking the oil, not checking the tires, not checking the petrol. We'll end up stopping down the road. We'll get frustrated and we won't get to where we need to get to. So my approach would be is to focus on where the client is, what the metabolic demands are, the sleep, the gut, the blood sugar, uh, assess the caloric intake, assess their, their nutrient timing, the hydration status, and then we fix these things. We get them, in, again, 80% rule, the, the Pareto principle, 80% fix it, and then we'll try this and that. We'll try keto adaption. We'll try intermittent fasting. And once we, and what I have is, I say to my client, if then, the if then approach, if you have breakfast, then you skip dinner. If you've trained that day, then you can have carbs. And, and I give them a limitation of what they can't have. But a lot of people are carb phobes. They don't want to go near carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. For me, it's real food. It, it just has to be real food, first of all. And once we get the client into that and we coach them, it's very easy to change things once you've got the engine running. But a lot of times, as we said later on, Chris, imagine exercise is the driving force. And everyone that does New Year's resolutions, what they do is they get exercise as the driving force, then they sit nutrition on top of that. Then they sit di- uh, lifestyle on top of that. And there's three people driving the car. No wonder they crash and burn after four or five weeks because it's too metabolically stressful. And the brain, decision fatigue, constantly thinking about it. It's been shown that we have over 50,000 thoughts a day. And when you're on a calorie-restricting diet or, or a modified diet in any way, shape, or form, you need 40,000 40, 40, thoughts are focused on that. When's my next meal? When's my next meal? What can I have? What can I have? If I say to you, you can't have a Snickers bar, and all of a sudden, everywhere you go, everyone's like, hey, Chris, do you want this bar? Hey, Chris, do you want this bar? Free bars, you know, all just, so you see it. So what we need to do is we need to set our clients up for success. And we call that the, the reticular activating system. So what you focus on, you'll see. So we want, to, we want our clients moving around, seeing opportunities for success, seeing opportunities to follow the plan. When you're in your car, and it's, it's funny when you, when you drive around in, in Ireland, you have to find your destination to where you're going. But all roads lead back to Dublin. So once you go somewhere to Belfast or to Derry, anywhere in Ireland, you'll, getting there might be a challenge, but getting back, you'll see signs for Dublin everywhere you drive. So sometimes when people are getting to their destination, they see, oh, that person's drinking. Oh, that person's eating bread. Stop focusing on what you can't have and focus on what you can have. And once you start to you know, train that client into that goal set, they'll see opportunities everywhere they go. And that's what we want. Getting in shape for six weeks is irrelevant, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and you said something there about a balance, right? And a friend of mine, there is no such thing as work-life balance. There's no such thing as balance. I can't say to my wife, I'll sleep with you six days a week, and then on the seventh day, I'll sleep with this other woman. That's okay? No, that's not okay. You, you, I can have four lines of cocaine, but I can't have five. No, it doesn't, doesn't. There's no such thing as balance. Homeostasis is equilibrium in the body. I understand where people are coming from when they, when they say balance, but it's not everything in moderation. And just because every, something is natural, cocaine is natural, you know, that can, or cannabis is natural. It doesn't mean everyone should be smoking weed. Uh, that's a different story. We could talk about it I, thought, I thought you said cannibalism at first. I'm like, is that natural? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so the fact is, th- th- there's going to be no balance. So people say mm-hmm. a balanced diet. There is no balanced diet. It's a diet, diet for you to get where you need to get to and to get, keep you alive. People need to realize that in food in my opinion the body does not know what a calorie is the body never came up with the word calorie we did we came up with the unit of, of, of measurement so the body sees essential fatty acids amino acids vitamins and minerals it sees the, the micro and macronutrients that's what it sees 
So we build better bodies so they can go wherever they need to get to. And then if you want to try keto, you want to try intermittent fasting, you want to try carnivore, or you understand why people would do that. But once you have a well-running engine, you can then assess whether that intervention was effective or not. But if you've got a car that's smoking, you know, flat tires, it's not working, and then you try a certain diet, it's not going to necessarily work for that person. Mm -hmm. And even the understanding of carnivore diet, if you actually listen to what they say, it's from nose to tail. Mm -hmm. What do we all eat? We just eat meat. We just eat the muscle. We don't eat the organ meat. We don't eat the other other nutrient-dense, you know, vitamin-dense organs in the body. So then even people aren't even understanding that component. And intermittent fasting, people think they're following one to eight, but then they're having a 500-calorie coffee at six o'clock in the morning. They're not understanding the whole process. Mm -hmm. So for me, I do think they all have merit. They really do, Chris. But my focus is, is building a better car first getting everything in line, and then we try a few things out. We trial things out and see how they work for that client in conjunction with blood work, in conjunction with, with, with dietary assessment, in conjunction with ongoing reviews. A friend of mine, he's a psychologist for the Irish rugby team, and he said, Owen, when, you're, when, when the Irish rugby team win a game, do you need to have a performance review? I'm like, oh, yeah. When they lose, do they have a performance review? Yeah. They draw? Yes. So every time you add something in, assess it. Assess skin folds, weight, mood, energy, sleep, libido, skin, hair, whatever it may be. But you constantly have to assess because if you don't assess it, like the sat nav we talked about, if you're in destination, you're in location A and you want to get to destination, if you've gone the wrong way, the sat nav will reroute you. But if we don't assess where we're going, we won't stay on track. And we know it's not a straight line from from A to B. Yeah. I want to talk about two specific things just to add on to all the stuff you just said there. You said you want your people eating breakfast in the morning and then you mentioned blood work. So can you talk a little bit about why you prefer people to wake up hungry and wanting to eat breakfast first thing in the morning? Right. So a few things. So there is, we don't all have to have breakfast. So this, this myth of you have to have breakfast is the important meal of the day. I don't think it is for everybody. However, when the more and more executives that I assess, the more and more, uh, clients that I see, the more I see sleep dysregulation, or sleep dysfunction going on. And if we have the whole day, so let's say we have six o'clock in the morning, we have 10 o'clock at night. When I see people's caloric or food intake, I find the majority of it towards the later part of the day. Mm-hmm. And the later part of the day, people are catching up on themselves. So what happens is people wake up in the morning. If, if I was to say breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I'd say maybe 10%, if no percent. Lunch is maybe 15 or 20%. Then they have 60% at dinner and they nibble afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the problem is the digestive systems are going, well, hang on a second. I'm not to be up since six o'clock in the morning. He's given me no food all day. And then he's given me a little bit at lunch. And now I'm starving. Now I'm really hungry. And we're playing catch up. If you don't, if you cannot properly stabilize your blood sugar levels, adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol are going to be doing that. And cortisol, as we know, will break down not only the glycogen in the liver, but also the amino acids in the body to maintain that. So we're treading water. We're never getting ahead of ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that people can't have dinner, but what I prefer is to have a good portion of the caloric intake or food intake in the first part of the day. And what will happen is that will give the body time to digest the fats and proteins in our body. So when we go to bed at night time, they're available for detoxification, regeneration, and cellular repair. Mm. As we know, it takes, depending on, on the fat content of your protein, and if it's an animal-based protein, you're talking four to six hours for that body to break that protein down so your amino acids are available for, to do their job. So by having protein at breakfast and at lunch, 
And it means that essential amino acids, the essential fatty acids are available for cellular repair, the phospholipid membrane, the regeneration, the immune system, at nighttime so we can repair. But that's not what happens. People have a, a very poor fat and protein uh, breakfast, if not very high carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. And what happens there, when you go high in carbohydrates, you're going to bring your cortisol levels down. And then the seesaw happens. So we have this process in our body when it comes to sleep. Mm-hmm. And there's two processes. It's called what's called process C and process S. Process S is sleep drive. So in the morning, you should have a low sleep drive. So when you wake up, you should have a low urgency to go back to bed. And as the day goes on, your sleep drive should go higher. So at nighttime, you should have a real high drive to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. In the morning, we should have a high level of cortisol, high level of let me get up and go. We need cortisol. People put cortisol down as a really bad hormone. I was it just is not to, at all. I was just about to say that. No. I was like, it's, it's, it's the villain hormone, right? Oh, my God. It, it, you would be dead if you didn't have any cortisol. You, you, you can't function without it. So we need cortisol well, to be so coming up in the morning. About it, what, what's a good cortisol number when people get blood work? Because I've had my blood work done. It came back high in the morning. And I was talking with someone. And they're like, that's a little high. I'm like, isn't it supposed to be high? It is supposed to be, but the, the problem is with that. So when you take um, blood cortisol, it's not as sensitive. The, be- the best cortisol to get in the morning is, is salivary cortisol. And there, there's a test, what's called the CAR test. So it's called the cortisol awakening response. And what you do is you spit into a tube. The minute you wake up, 30 minutes after wake up and 60 minutes after waking up. And it gives you a curve. Mm-hmm. And it's the curve that you're looking for. It's an early warning sign of how well your, your autonomic nervous system and your metabolic system is working. So in the, in the fourth part of the day, the Dutch tests do this. So the, the droid urine test of complete hormones, the Dutch test, they do that. They do a urine test and a salivary test in the morning. And that will tell you where your curve is. So the curve, in my opinion, is one of the most sensitive markers on how you're managing the stress that you're currently under and that stress could be marital stress it could be physical stress it could be parental stress it could be you know environmental stress it could be a multitude of things so it's not definitive of why it is where it is but it's at least a, a, a barometer to see where you are so if, so, if someone's so, not spitting in a tube sorry if someone's not spitting in a tube or they're getting blood work done is there a way they could just tell they wake up in the morning yeah. and they might feel one way versus another yeah so first thing first in the first hour you need to be up, energetic. You need to be at least a little bit hungry and you need to have good clarity. If you're reaching for coffee, if you're pressing the snooze button, if you're a snoozer, your card is flatlined. If you're someone that takes you know, two coffees to get going, you're a flatliner. If you're someone that has to have a cold shower, exercise, and then by 10 o'clock, that's when they wake up, you're, you're flatlined. So snoozers, people that need coffee to wake up in the morning, people that have low energy level and low hunger, these people are, are definitely uh, definitely low car. And what happens is when this is low, it's not, it's not a seesaw. I'm not saying that this goes up. But if you ever see cortisol curve, the range is very low down here. So if people aren't high in the morning, what happens is they generally get going later on in the daytime. Generally, not all the time. And they're a little bit high here. So you have someone that has a high sleep drive, their cortisol should be down here, but it's here. Mm-hmm. And in the range, that could be 200% higher. These people are in bed wired but tired. These people can't fall asleep. These people don't get restorative sleep. And what happens is when they go asleep at nighttime, they get 
you know, just because you're unconscious doesn't mean you're asleep. So you can have a few glasses of wine and, you know, knock yourself out, but it's not restorative, you know, quality sleep. And then what happens in the wake up the next day? They're not hungry. Why? They've been digesting the majority of the food they, they, they ate later on the, the day beforehand, and they're not hungry or horny or whatever you want to say first thing in the morning the next day. You want people waking up feeling energetic. You should not need an alarm clock to wake up in the morning. And if you constantly do and you're, you're snoozing it, it means that the body isn't ready to go. I say to my clients, and they're all fixated on their phone. And I ask them, what percentage is your phone in the morning? Oh, 100%. I've got stuff to do. I've got places to go. I've got meetings to go to. You know, and the real good book by Peter Holland on managing your energy, no matter what you do in your job, whether you're a powerlifter, a bodybuilder, you know, stock exchange, whether you're a lawyer, an accountant, any algorithm that you do in your day, no matter what you do in your day, it's multiplied by energy. And if your energy is zero, the return is zero. So everything you do in your life, no matter what it is, if your energy is zero, the output is going to be zero. So anything you do, it's all is relative to your le- level of energy, whether that's to be have kids or that to, you know, you know manage your, your, your employees or to grow your business. If your energy is flat, everything else is harder. But people are walking around with their own mobile phone battery at 5 or 10%. So they need to change. And in my opinion, the best way to do that is to get the sleep cycle sorted, to get the, the what we call the circadian clock system in check, mm-hmm. and then to get the hormones aligned with that. Once we get the energy, the digestive system, the hormonal system, the neurotransmitters set, settled, that's when we can start intermittent fasting. But if you're, and, and, and I'm not saying you can't have breakfast in the morning, you can skip that once you're metabolically flexible. But if you're not metabolically flexible, if you haven't got the organ resilience, or we call organ reserve, you're actually breaking yourself down because you're suppressing everything and interfering with your sleep. And that is, is fundamental to success. And can you get by on doing that? Of course you can. You can get by for years. But over time, that will wear on your health, your well-being, your recovery, your mood, your cognition, your creativity, you know, how happy you are in yourself. You know? Yeah. So, so my takeaway was you should wake up hungry and horny. <laughs> yeah, see, I knew that you laughed there when I said honey. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But what you are saying is you need to wake up in the morning ready to go, and that is a good sign of health. And you're prioritizing. And it sounds like the priority should be sleep. And if sleep is not good, then everything else is not going to be so effective. Is that true? 100%. So, so sleep, in my opinion, is the foundation. If if sleep is a problem it will undermine whatever else you do in the daytime. So what happens in the dark impacts the light. So no matter what you do at, 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 in the daytime, the best training program, the best nutrition, the best supplement, if you aren't sleeping, it will undermine what's going on. So what we do is in order to get the sleep corrected, we have our intake of food, our macronutrients. And what I like to do is make it very simple. I have the majority of my protein and fat that are in the first part of the day. And then I have less protein and fat at dinner, more carbohydrates. Because carbohydrates will help induce sleep. People like to have a bit of rice or potatoes and so on. Mm-hmm. And it will enhance their sleep. And it's not too heavy in the body. Women, in my opinion, not... Go that'll, that'll drop the cortisol too, won't it? If someone is tired and wired. Exactly. And also what will happen is uh, when, you, when you take carbohydrates at night time, you increase an enzyme in the body called uh, glucose 6-phosphatase, which helps you to, to have glycogen synthase to store glycogen in the body. And glycogen in, inside our muscles and glycogen inside our liver will have our backup then if we need it throughout the day. But we need to store that correctly. And carbohydrates of all the macronutrients is the easiest to digest. 
proteins and fats are relatively time consuming, but but carbohydrates are very easy. And if we've timed them correctly and we've had them at dinner time, we'll store them and we'll have them in our liver to be able to maintain our blood sugar the following day without necessarily relying on stress hormones. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you've got something that comes in and sleep is an issue and you're going to prioritize that, do you have any simple go-tos or protocols you like to follow to make sure that, that their sleep gets better? I mean, we came down over to Ireland a, a bunch of years back and there was a big worrisome of, well, what, what, what's going to happen with the time zone changes? Is it going to be difficult for us? We had the two-year-old with us at the same time. Megs was pregnant yeah, I should remember. Yeah, remember. yeah, you gave us a few tips and stuff. We got in and like I was good to go by uh by one day later. Maggie took her a couple of days. We don't know if that's because she was pregnant or not. But for sleep, is there any simple protocols that you, you try to recommend clients? Yeah, yeah. So this is the thing. I always try to give people recommendations that are easy to follow. And unfortunately, when it comes to sleep hygiene, and sleep hygiene for those guys out there that are not familiar with it, it's a routine. It's having the same sleep pattern constantly. So first things first, if you want to improve your sleep, you need to devote two weeks to it. So if you want to improve your sleep right now, and if it's a big problem for you, you need to devote two weeks. If I was to ask people out there, have they ever tried a program for two weeks or a special diet for two weeks or a special supplement for two weeks? They'll all say yes. Have they ever devoted two weeks to their sleep? And I'd be very surprised if anyone says yes. People don't give the attention to see if they need. So step number one, you need a minimum of two weeks to focus on it. Next step is, it's a German word, it's called Zeitgeber. And a Zeitgeber is, a, is an exterior influence on our own internal clocks. So we have, simply put, we have two major clocks in our body. We have what's called a central clock, and then we have peripheral clocks. And our central clock is, is, is regulated by what's called our super clean massive nucleus. Uh, oil, light exposure in particular through the oils will regulate that. Then we have peripheral clocks, like our muscular clocks, like our digestive clocks. So what we want to do is we want to expose our body to clock regulators. So if I landed in Canada tomorrow, what would happen to my mobile phone? We'd straight away switch on to Canadian time because of the internet. So what I want to get people to do is when they wake up, tell their body to wake up. So the first thing we do is we get up and we have to eat within 60 minutes. The eating within 60 minutes tells our peripheral clocks, our digestive clocks, hey, he's having a delivery of food coming in. The pancreatic enzymes come in, the lipase comes in, hydrochloric acid, and the whole machine gets going. And that's what we want to get going. The digestive system, peristalsis, everything gets moving. Next, we need to exercise. Now, I'm going to say that again. We need activity. We need activity within the first 60 minutes. Now, 20 minutes of activity, Chris, 20 minutes is your time. That's okay for you too. But activity within 20 minutes of roughly, roughly around 120 BPM. So get the heart rate up at least 120 BPM. And what that does is that tells all the mitochondria, hey guys, this is morning time. Let's get going. Let's get the hemoglobin production. Let's get the steroid production going on. Let's get moving. Let's get the mitochondria moving. So now we have the factories going, the energy factories. Then we have the digestive system. And then we need at least 2,000 lux. So lux is a measurement of light in our eyes for at least 20 minutes when the first 60 minutes upon waking. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of uh, light you can get out there. There's a uh, company called Juve. I think I said that right. It's J double O. Uh, double V, and they do red light exposure. They do red light that you can expose your body to it, both through the eyes and through the skin, and that helps regulate the clocks as well. Mm-hmm. So movement, food, and light exposure within the first 60 minutes. Now, if it's 62 minutes, guys, don't be stressing out, but we want that in a routine for at least 14 days. Then, 
I don't let people have carbohydrates at breakfast. I keep carbs away from breakfast and put them at dinner, like I just explained to you there. And the last tip is breakfast, lunch, and dinner of equal size, of ish. They don't, I just don't want tiny breakfast, massive dinner. I want them all roughly at the same size. So let's, let's review them again. One, they get moving within the first 60 minutes upon waking, ideally getting the heart rate up for 120 BPM for around 20 minutes. Second thing we do is we need to eat within 60 minutes upon waking, ideally low to no carbohydrates at that meal. The third thing is we want light exposure, above 2,000 lux in the eye or on the skin, either artificial from one of those juve lights, or ideally if you can, get outside. I personally like clients to get outside and ground themselves, maybe walk. Like sometimes I just have people walk outside, do stretching, do whatever they want to do in the grass outside. It's a great way of doing it. Next thing is, we have, again, low carb at breakfast and even-sized meals throughout the day. And we follow that for at least 14 days. And I've had massive success with that. And every, like, not every research paper, but for about two years, I dug right into all the research papers. I read all the books. I, I interviewed guys. I had consultations with the leading experts and sleep apnea and sleep studies. And all this advice Get off your screens. You know, your bedroom's for rest and romance. Don't, don't be working in your bedroom. I get, I get all that. And you've, you've heard all that. I've heard all that. But it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Get off Netflix. Get off your phone. People keep doing it. But if you, and this is the thing, if you start to make recommendations, this is the, this is the morning, this is the nighttime. If you start doing all these recommendations, the wave of hormones aren't going to be changed here. You know, getting off your screen at nighttime or putting your blue blocking glasses on, which do actually help. Mm-hmm. that's too little too late in conjunction with a whole plan that's when you that's what you want you want yourself knocking nails you want yourself ready to go to sleep at night time and no napping during the daytime either when i keep away from naps yeah i remember when you came down here uh, to toronto a bunch of years back you mentioned something around uh the most important uh, alarm you can set is to go to bed not, yeah not to wake up yeah and the pe- people go to bed w- w- when they fall asleep on the couch, when they're, they don't want to watch another Netflix thing, they see it loud in the corner. Ah, oh, will I watch it? Will I not? And, you know, so that's not the idea. You set the time to go to sleep. And even, and even simple things, like on the iPhone now, there's a, there's a bedtime where you can set yourself for your bedtime schedule. And then I link that with my screen time. So then my, my, my apps go off at, 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 at quarter past nine, so now I can't go onto the phone. But if you've scheduled that, if you have your diary, you know, so you can do that. The only one thing I do allow my phone to do is ring. If someone's going to ring me, then oh, it's an emergency. Mm-hmm. If people ring me at night time, it's, it's definitely something that they, uh, my attention. But text messaging, emails, forget that. No point. No point getting an email from, let's say, Hong Kong or somewhere like that, a different time zone, right before you go to bed, and then your brain starts moving. And then you're inside your brain thinking about stuff. No. One thing that, that I do myself, and it's not for everybody, so I appreciate it if, if your listeners are not into it. I use the Calm app. So the, the Calm app, I do a, they do a daily Calm, which is 10 minutes long of a, of a guided meditation. And then there's some sleep stories at nighttime that I find very beneficial. I've been using that now for maybe a year and a half, and I think it's really good. Before that, I use Headspace, which is another really good one. If meditation isn't your thing, guys, that, that's fine. But... It can be very powerful if you're, if you're open to it and you're willing to, to you know, embrace it. I think it can be very beneficial for a lot of people. 
sometimes I just talk to Maggie. She's like, Hey, what'd you do today? And once I start telling her what I did, I look over and she's falling asleep. Yeah. So, so if you want to, if you want to purchase my voice and my stories, I'll, I'll make it available. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> Oh, and this has been a uh, phenomenal information here. I feel like I could just, I, I could pick one of the 10 things you talked about and we could go on for hours moving forward from sleep to nutrition, to how you assess, to how you coach all that jazz. Uh, I have done uh, multiple courses with you and I've loved every one and they've been on my favorites, my top list. You guys are doing some phenomenal things down there at ISI and you're online now. Would you mind talking a little bit about what you got going on online with your coaching programs? Yeah, so I'll be completely honest with you. I really enjoy teaching in person. I like the, the atmosphere, I like the rapport, I like having a mm -hmm. crack with people. I, I like that. And unfortunately, with the situation that's gone on, I, I decided to, to put it online purely because I wanted to get the information out there. I wanted to get out in, in a right way. So I set up Own Lacey Education. I taught long and hard about that name. That was very hard to think of. So it's ownlaceyeducation.com. And I have a number of courses on, on program design, group fitness training, nutrition investigation, uh, different programs, uh, corrective exercise. So I'll have them all online so people can, can check them out. What I've done is, for, for your listeners, for today's podcast, so I have a discount for everybody for the whole month. It's Again, I thought very hard about this. It's uh, CF25. Oh, so, I like uh, it. Yeah, so CF25, for anyone that wants the 25% discount of any of the courses. And I, I like to, I'd like to think that my courses are... Intense, as in they're not super long, but the information is there. And particularly because I've got an Irish accent and I talk very fast, people can stop and you know go over the notes again and listen to it again. But the information, the feedback from people has been pretty, pretty impressive. So I'm really happy with the content that I've put out there. It's cost effective, and particularly now you don't have to travel. Yes. But later down the line, I would like to teach these courses in person. And if people do check out the courses and they have questions. The, the membership site is well, is well set up that they can email me and I can get back to them. Or what I tend to do is when people have a question, I just do a video every week, put it into the email and, and everyone gets the benefit of the answer. Well, I can speak from experience from taking any of your courses. They've been not only very enjoyable, but very educational and have helped my business specifically. Uh, but live courses, we can't slow down your talk. But every time I say, could you say that again? You're always pretty good with it. But <laughs> online, we can actually choose the option for speed, yeah. and slow down the speech. Yeah. So that'll be beneficial for anyone listening. I, I and I have a special thing. It's, it's, you, you wind down the Irishisms. So There's just a little Irish gauge. You can, you can turn it down. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, I'll put that in the show notes, the discount code. Uh, I'm going to mention those books as well, your website, all that jazz. For anyone listening, it's just look in the show notes. It's all going to be there. Owen, my friend, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Project Fitness Podcast. I hope we get to do this again sometime. I feel like we could just do a whole thing just on sleep. Yeah, it's massive, you know. It's, it's a huge topic and, and everyone sleeps or sleeps poorly. So it's definitely an area of a lot of big interest for a lot of people. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much, my friend. I'm just going to leave you with, I hope you, you stay positive in life and negative in COVID. And I hope I get to see you <laughs> sooner than later. Definitely, Chris. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you. Bro. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder, we will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.